Hello and welcome to this ACE Oncocast entitled Evidence-Based Clinical Practice, Timing of Immunotherapy in Urothelial Cancer, When and How. My name is Rob Coleman and I'm a medical oncologist at the University of Sheffield, United Kingdom. I'm delighted to be joined today by two leading experts in the field, Dr. Tom Poles from St. Bart's Cancer Centre in London and Dr. Joachim Belmont from Beth Israel Medical Centre and Harvard Medical School in Boston, United States. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Hi, thank you. Over the next three weeks during this best practice exchange, our two clinical experts will discuss the treatment options for patients with advanced urothelial cancer in three different settings. These will include neoadjuvant and adjuvant therapy, first-line and maintenance immune checkpoint inhibitor therapy, including adverse event management, and second-line treatment strategies. In this first ACE Oncocast, our clinical experts will be discussing first-line and maintenance immune checkpoint inhibitor treatment for patients with advanced urothelial cancer, including adverse event management. To start the discussion, Joachim, would you please summarize what we've learned about the use of immune checkpoint inhibitors in first-line treatment for both cisplatin-eligible and ineligible patients and the key studies that have underpinned our knowledge base? Um, yeah, so um, in, in fact, um, um, immunotherapy was uh, like in uh, 2018 approved uh, when uh, being tested in first-line patients being unfit for platinum-based therapy. This was uh, based on uh, two phase two studies, the Keynote 52, that uh, was testing um, uh, pembrolizumab, and also one of the arms of the phase two trial of the, of the Invigor 210. And based on the results obtained that mainly um, 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 we saw um, a good duration of response. So the median survival like was also high in this uh, like limited data. This led to uh, the approval of uh, pembrolizumab and atezolizumab Recent data from the phase three trials in first line were, in fact, patients who were unfit for platinum were randomized to receive a monotherapy with a, with a tezolizumab um, um, and, and, and pembrolizumab. Then the results came up that the, what, what we saw in the very beginning in these uh, um, Keynote 57 trials uh, in first line, it was not confirmed. In the area of fit, and also unfit and trying to uh, improve the outcome of uh, these patients combining chemotherapy and immunotherapy that we know this has been done in so many tumors. We can say that in bladder cancer, in this first line setting, we have three trials that have at this point completely failed when trying to combine chemotherapy and immunotherapy. So the, the three trials that uh, have been already uh, published, um, in fact, were comparing in patients in first line uh, whatever the, the patients were cisplatin eligible or ineligible, the monotherapy with uh, immunotherapy compared to chemotherapy plus immunotherapy versus the standard of care uh, chemotherapy. And the chemotherapy could be uh, cisplatin gemcitabine or carboplatinum gemcitabine. The three trials, the Invigor 130 that was using a tezolizumab, the uh, Keynote 361 that was using pembrolizumab, and uh, um, another one that in fact was not combining with chemotherapy, it was combining two uh, um, uh, immunotherapeutic agents, uh, uh, durvalumab, temalimumab, the ctl 4 and a PD-1 inhibitor, all these trials, the endpoint was not met. So the only benefit was seen in progression-free survival in the Invigor uh, 130, and still we are waiting for final data on survival. So these three trials completely uh, fail 
uh, at least uh, uh, until now for also uh, in vigor 130. And immunotherapy in first line is only restricted to these selected patients who are unfit. And I, I could say that we, we now only using immunotherapy in, in patients who are really frail, low tumor burden, lymph node disease only, that we do not expect to see the disease growing that fast. So it's it has been uh, the use of immunotherapy in first line and fit has been going down based on the on the findings uh, seen in them in the maintenance phase. Thank you. So more recently, of course, we've seen data from trials exploring the use of maintenance treatment with immune checkpoint inhibitors alongside and after first line platinum based chemotherapy. Tom, tell us about the Javelin 100 study of maintenance treatment with Avalumab. What were the design, eligibility, and key efficacy findings of the trial? The Javelin 100 study is a randomized phase three study of maintenance of Avalumab versus best supportive care uh, in advanced urothelial cancer patients whose cancer has not progressed after four to six cycles of GEMSYS or GEMCARBO. Um, 700 patients were randomized in a one-to-one -one manner and oval survival was the primary endpoint. Uh, the trial um, was well balanced between the two groups. Um, the oval survival hazard ratio showed a 31% reduction in the risk of death um, with 21 month median oval survival. Progression-free survival curve showed about 30% of patients having a durable remission um, the tolerability profile was in line with expectations. The quality of life data showed no significant drop in quality of life. Um, data from subsequent therapy showed a high proportion of patients received subsequent therapy on the best supportive care arm. Uh, this trial went on to get FDA and EMA approval, um, and it, of course, appears in NCCN and ESMO guidelines. The attractive component of the study is that I think jo Joachim has very nicely explained that upfront immune therapy struggles to get in control of disease in the majority of patients, and we don't know who those patients are, but chemotherapy is actually very good at that. But immune therapy is good at maintaining or getting long-term durable remission, and chemotherapy is poor at that. And so by sequencing them together, you get the benefits of chemotherapy, you get that control, but you also get the benefits of immune therapy the long-term durable remission. Thank you. And you, you said the ad adverse event profile was kind of what you might expect, but how often were dose reductions or interruptions required and what's the optimal duration of maintenance treatment? So about 10% of patients need to discontinue because of adverse events. Uh, and there was a 9% use of high-dose steroids associated with adverse events. Um, that's in line with expectations, the commonest adverse events were um, fatigue and rash, um, pruitus. But of course, we know that immune therapy in about 10% of patients is associated with more significant adverse events, requiring admissions, requiring steroids. Um, the treatment-related mortality in this trial and in other trials is actually very, very low, thankfully, um, but it's not zero. Um, the uh, and, and delaying treatments, okay, but actually we tend to intervene with steroids rather than dose reduce or delay treatments. Um, Evalimab has higher um, rates of, um, of, of immune-related toxicity associated with the infusion and prophylactics given for the first couple of cycles for that. But overall, it's very much in line with expectations. 
And how long would you treat with maintenance therapy? Is it until progression? The trial was designed to treat until progression. The median progression-free survival is modest. The majority of patients progress within six months. But as I said before, there is a tail to that curve. And there is a debate after two years about whether one should continue. And I think it's worthwhile having the conversations with patients at that point. My experience of this is if the patient would not be able to get more immune therapy, and that's the case in some healthcare environments, um, particularly those with um, uh, such as the UK, where uh, um, patient treatment is specified and it needs to be nice type approved. If you can't go back on the therapy if one was to progress, the majority of those patients don't want to stop. However, for those patients who have been in a complete response or a law or, or a deep partial response for years, they may want to have a break off therapy. That remains an area of research. Thank you. Uh, Joachim, how should patients be selected for the maintenance treatment strategy and, and what other data are there to support the use of maintenance checkpoint inhibitors? Yeah, uh, so the, the way that the Javelin uh, 100 bladder trial uh, was designed is, is that uh, allow patients who did not progress to platinum-based therapy and that the, the, the type of platinum therapy could be platinum gemcitabine or carboplatinum gemcitabine. And those patients that uh, did not progress, that means having complete response or uh, partial response um, or stable disease, after four or six cycles, depending on the, on the physicians uh, deciding to give four or six, patients were randomized after uh, four, uh, 10 weeks to receive uh, maintenance of Belumab plus best supportive care versus best supportive care. And uh, in fact, this is what uh, led to the, this uh, seven months benefit in, in survival uh, for those patients who receive uh, a Velumab. And uh, the benefit was seen um, independent of the patients receiving uh, cisplatinum gemcitabine or carboplatinum gemcitabine. And also the benefit was seen in patients um, um, either uh, obtaining complete response or partial response or stable disease. And also the benefit was seen uh, in a large, uh, a larger benefit was seen in fact in patients who uh, uh, were PDL1 positive. In fact, the, the endpoint of the trial was survival in the overall population and also in PDL1 positive, and, and both uh, um, like endpoints were met. So now we have multiple trials showing a role for immune checkpoint inhibitors as, as second line therapy, uh, sometimes in first line therapy, and certainly in maintenance treatments. Joachim, which strategy do you believe has the greatest impact on disease control? Yeah, obviously, uh, based on the, the Javelin 100 uh, bladder trial, um, now the maintenance approach is the best for the patient. So the, and the patients, when, when you explain um, the sequence of chemotherapy after immunotherapy, they, they see a, a, a bright light, meaning so it's not chemotherapy and then stop. So they, they see that now uh, administering maintenance of Belumab, if they do not progress, there is a, a survival advantage, so a seven-month survival advantage. So we don't need to stop therapy and wait until the patient progresses again. So the switch maintenance is the right approach to do in patients with metastatic bladder cancer. Thank you. And Tom, do you agree or have anything to add? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think Joachim has previously said that there are other strategies for the future, and clearly we would all like to replace chemotherapy. Additionally, we'd all like to use personalized based therapy, selecting patients for the right treatment. But as things currently stand, the maintenance approach is the most attractive for unselected patients. Thank you. Well, thank you, Tom and Joachim, for this great discussion.
Stay tuned for next week's Ace Oncocast, where we will be discussing the latest evidence on neoadjuvant and adjuvant therapy for patients with advanced urothelial cancer. And thank you for listening. Thank you.